The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. When you hear the name Jesus, what picture comes quickly into your mind? Do you see a man in a robe wearing dusty sandals and patting little children on their heads and advising everybody to turn the other cheek? In other words, do you see Jesus as some sort of mystical guru praying on a mountaintop? Or do you see him as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, as the Messiah coming with great power and authority? Hello, I'm Christine Darg. There are many sides to the Messiah and many portraits of who the Lord is. But today it's going to be my joy to teach one of my favorite themes, and that's the similarities between Jesus and the great luminary of the Old Testament, Moses the lawgiver. There are in this Bible at least 50 parallels. God gave Moses bread from heaven called manna in the wilderness, and God gave Jesus to the world as bread from heaven. The Torah, the law, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus the Messiah. I won't have time in this program to mention each similarity in detail, but it's certainly a subject for further study. Jesus is described in the New Testament as the second Adam the God-man who triumphed over sin where Adam, the first man, had failed. But Jesus is often called the second Moses, the great prophet whom Moses had actually predicted. You see, Moses prophesied that God would raise up another great prophet in Israel like himself. In the Torah, in Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses prophesied, the Lord your God will raise for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Moses introduced the world to what God expected of us. God's law became the basis of a yardstick of behavior and morals that we know as the Old Covenant. And just as Moses' successor, Joshua, led the people into the Promised Land, Jesus is our Moses and our Joshua. He leads us into the promised land of God's ultimate revelation to us. That new standard or covenant is the realization that God offered the sacrifice of his son Jesus for our sins. We call that God's grace to us. He gives us a new commandment that we love one another. And this commandment of love is so all-encompassing that it fulfills the entire law of Moses. The many comparisons between Moses and Jesus are striking and it's important for you to know about them. Both Moses and Jesus had royal pedigrees, for example. Although Moses' parents were slaves, through a set of providential circumstances he was brought up in Pharaoh's royal court in Egypt. And although the earthly father of Jesus was a builder or a carpenter, Jesus was actually descended from the royal line of King David of the tribe of Judah. 
just as Moses led his people out of slavery. Jesus leads people of all nationalities out of the shackles of sin and sickness into the abundant life. Moses' people were immune from plagues that destroyed Egypt. And so Jesus is faithful to heal us under the new covenant. Now, the number 40 is one of the important repetitive numbers in the Bible. Moses and Jesus have the number 40 in common. Moses prepared for his ministry 40 years on the backside of the desert. And both Moses and Jesus spent 40 days in fasting. And both were miracle workers. Moses' rod turned the waters of the Nile River into blood and he parted the Red Sea. Jesus turned water into wine. And Jesus promises to give us supernatural living water in our souls, springing up into eternal life. Jesus also leads us into regeneration through the waters of baptism. Well, God confirms his messengers with miracles, with signs and wonders. Moses' mission from God was confirmed by the many miracles that he performed. And Jesus' mission was continually confirmed also by miracles, signs, and wonders. Moses was known as the servant of God, and Jesus is known as the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53, the Holy of Holies of the Old Covenant. Both Moses and Jesus were rejected by their brethren. In Exodus chapter 17 and verse 4, the people were ready to pick up stones and stone Moses. Likewise, in John chapter 8 and verse 59, it's written, Therefore they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and passed through their midst. The Torah, the law of God, was given to Moses on the sixth day of the Hebrew book of Sivan, during the Feast of Shavuot, initiating the dispensation of the law. And the Holy Spirit was given through Jesus on the sixth day of Sivan, called the Feast of Pentecost in Greek, initiating the dispensation of grace. There has been no man of similar stature to Moses other than Jesus Christ himself. But Jesus is even greater than Moses. Because Jesus is not just a prophet. He was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. The Torah teaches that out of the mouths of two witnesses, let everything be established. And both the Apostle Peter and also Stephen, the first martyr of the church, testified that Jesus was indeed the prophet that Moses had predicted. Speaking of Jesus, the Apostle Peter bore witness of him in Acts chapter 3, verse 22. He said that Jesus is the new Moses. And also in the New Testament, Stephen the martyr witnessed that Jesus was indeed the prophet like unto Moses. In Acts 7, 37, Stephen testified that Jesus is that Moses whom the Lord your God will raise up for you. Him you had better listen to. Depending upon your contact with Jewish people, you may or may not have heard of the Midrash. The Midrash are important Jewish commentaries on the Hebrew scriptures. In Judaism, the Midrash, or plural Midrashim, 
are stories told by rabbinic sages to explain various passages in the Bible. Midrash is a method of interpreting biblical stories to fill in gaps that are only hinted at in the Bible. It's fascinating to me that many stories in the Midrash offer additional parallels between the births of Moses and Jesus. For example, in a famous Midrash, Moses' father Amran was told that his wife will give birth to a son who would save Israel. And in the New Testament, Mary's betrothed husband, Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, also received supernatural knowledge. Joseph is told by an angel that Mary's son will be called Jesus, Yehoshua, the name meaning he will save the people from their sins. The birth of Jesus was heralded by a star. And according to a rabbinic midrash, at the birth of Moses, there was a great light, which I'll talk about more in a minute. Joseph espoused Mary while she was with child from the Holy Spirit. And this has an interesting parallel in a cryptic statement found in the Talmud that Moses' father Amron married, or rather remarried, Yochaved, the mother of Moses, while she was already pregnant. According to a French rabbinical commentary, the parallels between Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus and the Midrash traditions about the birth of Moses are not accidental. This is because the Jewish writer of the Gospel of Matthew had in mind the story of Moses' birth according to the traditions of the Midrash. To the rabbis, Moses was the prototype of the Messiah. The final redeemer will be similar to the first Jewish deliverer, Moses, they say. So it's not surprising that the New Testament recorded so many of the patterns of Moses' birth as repeating themselves in the birth of Jesus. For example, in Exodus chapter 2, the infant Moses was hidden in Egypt to keep him alive. And as a young refugee, Jesus was also hidden in Egypt to keep him alive. Moses' mother put him in the river in a basket, and Mary put Jesus in a manger, a feeding trough, because he was the bread of life. From the start, both children, Moses and Yeshua, were recognized as extraordinary. The favor of God was upon Moses, even as an infant. Pharaoh's daughter took him out of the river, and he became a prince of Egypt. And the favor of God was upon Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11, kings from the east, wise men, worshipped him and presented him gifts. When Moses was born, he was immediately recognized by his parents as a special child. Well, you might think, doesn't every parent feel that his child is special? But the indication from the Midrashim is that there were signs, supernatural signs, at the birth of Moses that certainly were above average. He was described in the Bible as a goodly child, and various interpretations are offered. And according to the Jewish sages, the entire house was filled with light when Moses was born because the Hebrew phrase alludes to the creation account in the book of Genesis, where it says, And God saw the light, and it was good. According to one Midrash, the form of the newborn child was even angelic. 
And here's something interesting. Another rabbinic commentary states that when Pharaoh's daughter discovered Moses and opened the ark that had been hidden on the river Nile, she saw the Shekinah glory of God resting upon the infant. The light was a way of confirming to her that he was a special child to be saved. I believe this is not just a fanciful interpretation. God does things like this from time to time. There have been even crucial times in my life when God has earmarked a person to me, sometimes even in dangerous situations, when a light was shining, was emanating from their face, as if God was saying, this is a trustworthy, providential person in your life. The similarities between the birth stories of Moses and Jesus are indeed striking. Obvious parallels exist between the New Testament stories and the account in the book of Exodus. Another example, in Matthew chapter 2 and verses 13 to 14, King Herod was jealous of Jesus, who was born king of the Jews. So Herod decreed a slaughter of all the innocent children in Bethlehem in an attempt to destroy the rival infant king. But Joseph, having been warned in a dream, escaped with Mary and the child into Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 2, Egypt's king Pharaoh also sought to slaughter the Israelite baby boys. But as I've said, Moses escaped through his parents' strategy of hiding him in the ark basket on the Nile. Certainly Herod's massacre of the boys in Bethlehem parallels Pharaoh's command to throw the Hebrew children into the Nile. Well, according to Pharaoh's orders, Moses' mother should have thrown him into the river, but he was put in the river in an ingenious way. His parents placed their baby inside that floating basket covered with pitch to make it float. And so Moses was saved by Pharaoh's daughter. In the Gospel of Matthew, King Herod dies, and in Exodus, the king of Egypt dies. In Matthew's Gospel, the angel of the Lord says to Joseph while in Egypt, it's safe for you to go back to the land of Israel, for those who are seeking the child's life are dead. The Gospel language is similar to the language of Exodus chapter 4 in verse 19. The Lord said to Moses in Midian, Return to Egypt, for those who were seeking your life are dead. Moses was brought up by a man who was not his natural father, and likewise Jesus was brought up by a man who was his stepfather. Both Moses and Jesus were called from Egypt. Moses was royalty, yet he forfeited his royal position to serve his people. He became a lowly shepherd, and Jesus forfeited his royal pre-existence in heaven to condescend into this world as a human being. He spent his early childhood as a refugee in Egypt, and God testifies of this in Hosea chapter 11, prophetically in verse 1, where it says, Out of Egypt I have called my son. So Jesus is a king who pre-existed in heaven, yet he emptied himself to die as redeemer of this world to accomplish the work of redemption upon the cross in the most lowly, humiliating death possible as the great shepherd of our souls. According to one Midrash, the good shepherd Moses searched for one lost sheep 
And in so doing, he encountered the burning bush. Jesus, our good shepherd, will also search for just one lost sheep. Well, in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11, the Torah says that Moses, when grown, he saw the burdens of his brethren and he had compassion on them. Likewise, according to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6 and verse 34, Jesus saw his people as sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. And both Moses and Jesus rejected the possibility to become great secular rulers. In fact, in the temptation and testing of Jesus, the gospel accounts tell us that Satan, the god of this world, offered Jesus rulership of the earth as Satan's viceroy. But Jesus rejected the devil's offer and chose rather to suffer and to die in order to accomplish atonement for Israel and the world. Perhaps Jesus thought of the testimony of Moses when he turned down Satan's offer. After all, Moses was brought up as a royal son in Pharaoh's court. But one of my favorite verses in the New Testament describes the choice of humility that Moses deliberately made. Hebrews 11.24 says that by faith Moses, when he came of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I think that that is a verse that applies to anybody who wants to follow God today and anyone who prays for Israel when we side with the afflicted people of God and the despised people of God. You see, we can side with the world. We can enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. We can even become anti-Semitic and despise God's chosen people or we can choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God and be rewarded later than to enjoy the temporary fortunes of the world. Well, as an exile in Midian, Moses was kind to the daughters of Jephro. Do you remember that story in the Old Testament? He protected the women from rough shepherds at a well. And then he watered the flock of the daughters of Jephro as well. That's not what the usual custom was for men. And in the New Testament at Jacob's well, Jesus was also kind to a Samaritan woman and he offered her water. Again, this was not the usual custom. Importantly, Moses was a great intercessor who saved the Israelite nation from destruction by his prayers. Equally, Jesus wept over Jerusalem and prayed from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Both Moses and Jesus mediated between Israel and Almighty God in heaven. And both Moses and Jesus revealed the thoughts of God to Israel. Never forget that both Moses and Jesus interceded for Israel, preventing the destruction of the nation. In a way, it could be said that both Moses and Jesus were lawgivers, both Moses and Jesus were sent from a mountain of God to free Israel. Moses was sent from Mount Sinai in Midian to take the people of ancient Israel out of Egypt and to lead them to Mount Sinai and after that to lead them to an earthly promised land. Jesus, the new Moses, was commissioned and sent from heaven 
to take every believer out of spiritual Egypt to a heavenly mountain, the Mount Zion, which is above the New Jerusalem. Well, there are many other parallels or similarities between Moses and Jesus. In many ways, the former Moses foreshadowed Jesus, the second Moses, who was to come. As recorded in Numbers 11, Moses was at one time assisted by 70 elders who had upon them the Holy Spirit. And Jesus commissioned 70 disciples. And he breathed the Holy Spirit upon his disciples. At Mount Sinai, the Israelites were redeemed from slavery. At the rapture of the church, at the second coming, when Jesus comes in the atmosphere, we'll be redeemed forever from sin. At Sinai, under Moses, the Israelites were consecrated. At the second coming, we'll be perfected. The Israelites washed their clothes before meeting with God at Sinai. But we'll be given a robe of righteousness from Jesus when he comes. At Sinai, God came to the mountaintop. Jesus will come to us in the air at his second advent. At Mount Sinai, Moses and Aaron went up the mountain. At the rapture, every believer waiting and looking for Jesus will go up. And when he returns to this earth, he will come to the Mount of Olives. At Mount Sinai, Israel was wed to God. At the time of the rapture, the church will be wed to Jesus and will celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb. At Mount Sinai, God dwelt with Israel. And at the rapture of the church, we will dwell in our new bodies with Jesus and God forever. In Exodus 19, the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them. And in verse 13, he gives this command. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come up to the mount. Now, I see in this a mysterious parallel to a passage in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17, where the Apostle Paul tells us, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. These are amazing parallels if your spiritual eyes are open. And there's a lovely rabbinic teaching concerning the ram that God supernaturally sent for Abraham to sacrifice instead of his son Isaac when the Lord had tested Abraham. Well, as the story goes, the Lord saved the two horns of that ram to be used as holy shofars, as trumpets of God. And as the story goes, God blew the left horn, the first trump, in Exodus chapter 19 in preparation for the giving of the law. And the Lord will blow the right horn of the ram, the last trump, to initiate the rapture. The story is apocryphal, but isn't it precious nevertheless? Believe you me, God is getting ready to blow the last trumpet. But are you ready to go home to be with Jesus? Perhaps you're not sure if you're a believer, but you can get sure. The Bible teaches that Jesus descended from King David and died for our sins, 
that he was crucified for our sins, he was dead and buried, and that he was raised on the third day from the dead and declared with power to be the Son of God. Now, all who believe on his name and put their trust in Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, will be saved, the Bible says, from eternal death. By believing on his name, we become born again and our sins washed and forgiven by God. This is the good news of the gospel. All who put their trust in him will not be ashamed nor condemned. Well, one of the most poignant parallels between Jesus and Moses involves the issue of delay. When the Israelites saw that Moses delayed to come down from Mount Sinai, the people rebelled and said to his brother Aaron, Come, let's make gods and worship them, because we don't know what has become of Moses. That's found in Exodus chapter 32. And many people today don't believe Jesus is going to return to us. As prophesied in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4, they cry wantonly, Where is the promise of his coming? So let's not be like that. Let's always watch eagerly for the coming of the Lord. Well, I hope this time of discussing some aspects of faith has been a blessing to you personally. If you have any questions on this topic or if you just want to chat, we can stay connected on Facebook or Twitter. At our website, exploits.tv, you can also request a free copy of our Exploits magazine that features healing, Israel, and prophetic biblical teachings. And if you'd like to watch this video again at any time, just visit exploits.tv, where you'll also find a library of our previous programs as videos on demand. Our website also contains information about my books and details of how you can join us for one of our prayer tours in Israel. We encourage you to make a definite commitment to God to visit the Holy Land at least once in your lifetime. I promise you a visit to Israel will forever change your perspective in Bible reading dramatically. So thanks for taking the time to share part of your day with me. Contending for the faith, I'm Christine Dark, also encouraging you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom. What a marvelous gift God has given us through the internet to share with you all over the world. I hope that you'll take time to visit our website with daily news updates, articles, and insights into the unpredictable world in which we live. And of course, our central focus is the nation of Israel and how God is fulfilling Bible prophecy in these turbulent days. We send out email alerts of all our new videos, and you can also read our Exploits Ministry magazine free online. All you need to do is let us have your email address. Better still, you can contact us by phone in the USA at our toll-free number, 1-888-245-2692. Our number in the UK is 0843-557-4077. And please keep in mind that all this is made possible by viewers like you who will stand with us. You can make a donation by credit or debit card at our website. Thanks for being a part of Exploits Ministry. You're living in the promise of Daniel 11.32. Those who know God will be strong 
and do exploits.